On this episode of Dismantling Injustice, we're taking a break from this month's theme to talk about movement building, and in particular, how to figure out your role in the social justice ecosystem. For this discussion, we're joined by Deepa Iyer from Building Movement Project. Deepa is a renowned social justice strategist, a weaver, and a movement builder who brings a wealth of experience working towards social change. She served as executive director of South Asian Americans Leading Together, as a civil rights attorney, and as a facilitator and capacity builder for social justice movements. She's also the author of a new book, Social Change Now, which offers a framework for thinking about roles within movement ecosystems. This was also our first live episode. Dismantling Injustice is going live. It was part of my class at the Colin Powell School at the City College of New York. So when we come back, we'll be joined by Deepa. So my point of entry into the social justice movement, like many people, stems from my own childhood experiences. I'm an immigrant who was born in the state of Kerala in India, and I moved to the state of Kentucky in the U.S. Um, when I was 12 with my family. And as you can imagine, growing up in the mid to late 80s um, in Kentucky, it was really confusing at times to figure out where I fit in, um, what my family's experiences meant in terms of our place in this country. And so a lot of those experiences really guided and shaped my understanding of belonging. And I would say the other point of entry that really affected and guided me was actually the um, horrific attacks of September 11th and the aftermath that happened um, in which South Asian, Muslim, Arab, and Sikh immigrant communities were subjected to both hate violence as well as state violence in the form of policies and practices that profiled and surveilled our communities. And um, I think that both of those points of entry really have shaped how I show up in social justice movements in terms of um, what I believe is important for us to create movements and um, organizations and connections that are really um, about solidarity and not about silos in order to bring about effective change. So I'll leave it there, but that's a little bit about my um, my own journey. Um, that's so interesting. I, I forgot that part about you, that you sort of like said September 11th was what drew you in. Um, I went to Brooklyn College in the aftermath of that. And as many of you might know, the school was heavily surveilled and there was this big case of like an FBI informant that spied on our Muslim student group. So that's just interesting because it's sort of my entree point as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was wondering, you know, so you just released the book um, based on the, the um, movement ecosystem framework that you developed back in 2017, I want to say. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if you were to like think back, I guess, six years ago at this point, um, what inspired you to create this framework and how did you recognize the need? Yeah, well, um, as probably everyone remembers, 2017 was like a year into the Trump administration. And um, at that time, I was feeling like I was on the seesaw of either outrage or numbness on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Um, 
And given sort of the Muslim ban, the raids that we were seeing, family separation, the attacks on queer and trans communities, and on and on and on, it was a time where I felt pretty hopeless and overwhelmed and confused. Um, I had also just left um, a number of years ago my position, my leadership position at a national South Asian American nonprofit. So I was also really unclear about what my place was in social justice spaces anymore without sort of like a title and an organization that was my home. And so all of those reasons sort of made me do some internal searching, as well as really looking at how in moments of crisis, um, often people and organizations show up in different roles in order to advance um, shared goals and values. And that's really what prompted me to develop this framework and this, this idea that we play these different roles. And um, as I talked about this idea with others, I actually just put that framework and that idea out in a Medium article on a personal Medium page. And I realized that people were engaging with it and um, that others too were looking for ways in which they wanted to engage. Maybe they were just all of a sudden awakened to understanding um, the inequities in this country at that time and they wanted to get involved. Um, other people had been involved for a really long time, but they wanted to kind of change up how they were relating to the political context. And so I found that different folks, not just in our sector, not just in the nonprofit sector, but also sort of across various other sectors were kind of connecting and resonating with this framework. So it felt like there was this need to wanna to engage and to do so in a way where people felt like they could um, connect with others, where they felt like they could support organizations and they wanted to do it um, in order to advance some shared goals. So that's a little bit about sort of how it originated and then it evolved over time. Then can you talk a bit about the parts of the framework? Um, you know, there's the ecosystem itself, the values, the roles, and um, I guess what purpose they have in the framework or how they connect to one another. Yeah, so the whole framework, you know, visually, it can be looked at as the social change ecosystem map. Um, and it looks, I think, deceivingly simple, but if you spend a little bit of time with it using the workbook, um, I think that as individuals or organizations, we can come to some profound insights and revelations. Um, there are, as you said, Carl, three components to the framework. So the middle circle of the map um, is a place for us to identify our values, um, shared values, our shared goals, our shared approaches of how we want the world to look like um, when we engage in social change. The second aspect of the framework are the roles. Um, and the, the, the framework invites us to think about playing um, any of 10 roles, um, everything from weavers to frontline responders to disruptors and more um, that organizations and individuals often play. And then the final um, aspect of the framework is that it is all about an ecosystem. It looks like an ecosystem, it's circles that are interconnected um, and it's supposed to just reflect and embody the understanding that when we come together 
when we identify our connections, when we engage in generative conflict, um, that we can get a lot further um, on in terms of advancing the goals that we want. We can be more effective. Um, we're not replicating or duplicating uh, roles. We're not being redundant. Instead, we're being really focused on the skills that we're bringing to the table and the ways in which we're engaging with others in the ecosystem. And as you probably realized, it's a multidimensional framework. So it can be used by an individual to say, okay, what role do I want to show up in to respond to um, the attacks on Black communities? Um, how, what skills do I have? What, what does my ecosystem need from me? But you can also use it as an organization to look at an organization's role in a broader movement. Or you can look at it even as um, a coalition or a network. How do different groups um, connect with each other? So it's pretty multidimensional. You can layer it however um, you need to, depending on what your goal is. Yeah, so then as you explained, the framework, it was first sort of offered as like a map and as a graphic. And now it's been expanded into a, like a, a guide or a journal. What inspired you to turn it into a journal? And then could you walk us through, you know, I guess the structure of the of the book, um, but even more so, like, how would you use it if you were in our position? That, those are great questions. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm one of those. I'm a practitioner, so I spend a lot of time um, doing trainings and workshops and talking to people and organizations. Um, and I've used this framework to do some of those strategic conversations. And so what I found is that people would usually ask me sort of the same questions. They would say, what are the characteristics of these roles? Can you get into them a little bit more deeply? Um, what are examples of how individuals and organizations play these roles? And where is there room to grow and improve? And then finally, how can I sustain my role, right? Given the really, um, I think, deep level of burnout and trauma that a lot of folks are facing right now. Um, so there was, so as I kind of thought about that, a workbook seemed like the best way to present that information. Um, so it's really the result of um, hearing from others in terms of what more they wanted and also learning from people as I did workshops and trainings, particularly during the pandemic and after the uprisings of 2020, just really hearing and listening to how people were engaging with it and what they wanted more from it. Um, and, you know, personally, I like a good journal and uh, part of this framework is really about self um, self awareness. And I think that in in many ways, in movement spaces and in the nonprofit sector, we don't really take a lot of time to do reflection. Um, we're always kind of tending to crisis. Right. Or we're. Um, putting together a program or we're on to the next policy advocacy moment. Um, and, and we don't take the time to reflect, evaluate, course correct. And so part of what I'm hoping with this workbook is that it offers organizations and people a chance to pause and to take a deeper look at how they're showing up and how um, they could improve, how they could support others. And so if you were going through the workbook, um, I really suggest going through it, honestly, in a pretty chronological manner, just starting from the beginning and working through it. 
Um, once the, the book is sort of structured into starting to, to talk about the context first, this time of compounding crises that we find ourselves in. And then it goes into the um, values and it goes into the characteristics of strong ecosystems. And then it goes into the, each of the roles in depth. And so by the time you get to the roles, if you're pretty clear, you know, I'm showing up as a weaver, I'm showing up as a storyteller, then you could skip to that part of that of the book where you can learn in greater detail what are the characteristics of storytellers and what's the what's their um, learning edge look like and what are some examples of storytellers and then the book um, each of the chapters also has a ton of reflection questions with room for you to write as well um, and at the end of the book there's a chapter on sustainability and then there are a lot of like sample maps if people want to play with different um, roles in different ecosystems as well. Um, got it. I'm glad to hear. I went through it chronologically and I sort of went through every role and I looked at all the characteristics and I kind of checked off which ones applied to me for every characteristic. Then I went back and looked at wow. which ones had the most checked. Oh, that's smart. What did you find? I wonder if you checked all of them. <laughs> I was kind of surprised that um, I was an experimenter. Um, and then guide came up as well. Those were like the two, like they came up the most in storyteller. Mm -hmm. But um, I never, I always thought of myself as more of a builder, but I'm actually not that much, of, or it's not sort of what I want to do. I love that, Carl. I love hearing about people's like insights about it. Um, and I think that's so interesting that you found that the experimenter role calls to you because I think it's one of the most, um, it's it's one of the least uh, picked roles in movement spaces. And I'm always surprised by that because I feel like those of us who are in movement spaces should be on like the leading edge of how we think about um, social justice and equity issues, right? Um, but I think it's also that in the nonprofit sector, oftentimes we are sort of told to, to really go with the status quo mm -hmm. um, and the structures and the containers kind of focus us on, well, this is how it's done all the time. And so we should just do the same thing. So I, I love it that you are, that you felt like you are an experimenter because that means that you're going to do lots of interesting things that the rest of us can hopefully replicate and gain from. Yes, and hopefully I work with like some great builders that can like <laughs> help um, implement yes. um, Curiosity, which ones um, resonated with you? Well, you know, I think the more interesting story that I often find myself um, when I work with this framework is that I have switched roles. And so for much of my social justice journey that I even explained, you know, earlier with the work I was doing post 9-11 and during the Trump administration, I was really a frontline responder and a disruptor. That was pretty much, those were the roles I played. Um, so whether it was um, responding to hate violence or a profiling policy or the Muslim ban, um, I played a lot of that frontline responder and disruptor role, but I also came to realize that um, those roles for me um, became really untenable at a certain point. I was exhausted and burnt out for sure, but I also wasn't really good at those roles. I didn't show up with my full self because I was sometimes numb 
um, or I just wasn't thinking straight. My brain was foggy. And it took me some time to realize that um, those that I wasn't serving my ecosystems if I kept playing those roles, even though they were kind of like I had built the muscle and I knew them really well. And so what I've learned to do is to switch roles. And so now I see myself more of as a guide, similar to you, um, and a storyteller and a weaver. And I've been trying to put that into practice. Um, one of the things I do at the Building Movement Project is that um, I work on a project on solidarity and we support a table of Asian American organizations at the local and national level that came together after um, we saw the uptick in anti-Asian hate um, after March of 2020, right? And when really horrible things have happened in the community, like the Atlanta spa shootings two years ago, or um, the FedEx massacre in Indianapolis, et cetera, um, or even the shootings that just happened last week in California, um, I was really drawn to playing the frontline responder role. I knew what that meant. And I had to really stop myself and pause and say, no, I'm better serving this ecosystem if I show up as a guide. And how can I actually provide guidance to the frontline responders? Um, how can I share stories of what happened after 9-11 that are best practices as well as things to avoid in this particular crisis? Um, how can I weave together by facilitating conversation that can move us towards our shared goals? So um, it's been really helpful for me to actually think about switching my roles, understanding what my capacity is and what's needed of me by using this framework. And um, I think one of the things that this framework reminds us is that we don't have to leave. Like when we're at capacity or when we can't play one role anymore, we don't have to completely leave like our communities and the nonprofit spaces. We could think about playing another role in the framework. Got it. And that's a great segue to my next question, which was, how do you see gender and race intersecting with these roles? And um, the example I'll give is that, you know, often women are socialized to be caretakers mm -hmm. and people of color are often frontline responders forced to put their well-being on the line for, you know, social change. Um, how do we contend, contend with this reality when reflecting with our own place? Yeah, another really excellent question. Um, so I think one of the things that the framework can help us reflect on is um, how we wield our positionality and our power and our privilege when we play these roles. And so um, some of the questions in the workbook pretty much ask that question. You know, does how does your privilege show up? Um, so when I utilize this framework and I'm working with different organizations or people, um, I often ask folks about who are the people in their ecosystem that are always showing up as, like you said, caregivers, right? And a lot of times it is women or people identifying as women. Um, at other times, it's I ask the question of what about disruptors and frontline responders, and it's usually people of color who are then seen as rocking the boat, or who are seen as too angry, or who are seen as um, uh, making waves, right, in a negative context. And so it's also an opportunity then for people who are um, 
who have other types of privilege, whether it's race or sexual orientation or class um, privilege to, to actually step in and take on some of those roles or to support the folks who are um, usually playing these roles who tend to be people of color or women. Um, so it's an opportunity, I think, to really think about the ways in which privilege and positionality and power show up and how we can confront that and address it both in ourselves as well as um, support others in our ecosystems. How does this framework help fight the fatigue and burnout that often comes with working in the nonprofit world and working for organizations that are working on social change? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think it's so important to just kind of acknowledge that we're living in a time of unprecedented multiple crises that are taking a toll on us, and particularly if we're affected by those crises, right? And um, we found in the work that we do, we we do a lot of research on the nonprofit sector, and we did a report um, in late 2020 where we asked nonprofits that were led by people of color what um, their experiences were with the pandemic and the uprisings. And we we had many findings, but one of the clear findings is that women of color leaders disproportionately said that the toll of the moment was too much for them. And they didn't know if they could continue staying in those leadership roles. And I think we are seeing a lot of folks cycle out of the sector actually as well. And so, um, the burnout is, is real, the fatigue is real. And I think what this framework can do is to help us recognize when we're at capacity. So what are one of the key questions that follows every single chapter where I discuss a role is, what is the toll on you of playing this role time and again, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, what is the toll and what is the impact? How And how would you describe that, right? Um, so I think that this framework could help us actually ask that question of ourselves, which again, I don't think we ask ourselves um, that question a lot because we're sort of just kind of pushing through because we feel like we have to push through. Um, so one, I think the framework enables us to ask these questions and think about them. But then another is um, a lot of times people will have this aha revelation when they're mapping their, their roles out and they'll say stuff like, I play eight of these roles on a daily basis. And that should be sort of this moment of revelation where you recognize that that is actually not something to aspire to, right? Um, we may all play all of those roles at some point in our lives, and we probably do, but we should not be like more than like four, you know, on a daily basis. Um, and then finally, I think that the framework allows us to think about what is needed to fill our cup. So if you think of our cup getting drained um, and, and everyone's reasons for that drain is different, but what will fill the cup? Would playing a different role fill that cup? Would um, supporting someone else fill that cup? Would um, asking someone else to play the role that you're playing so you can move to something else, fill your cup, right? Um, and the last chapter of this workbook actually has an entire set of questions and ideas on sustainability um, and, and the ability to be bo both effective at our work as well as be um, making sure that we're doing it in a sustainable way so that we're doing it for the long run. Thanks so much, Tiba. 
Once again, we want to thank Deepa for joining us. I encourage everyone to pick up her book, Social Change Now. And also, if you like this episode, please leave us a review and forward it to your friends. Until we're all free, peace out. Dismantling Injustice is brought to you by Envision Freedom Fund, an organization that works to transform the immigration and criminal legal systems while meeting the critical needs of individuals impacted by these systems daily. To learn more about our work and donate, visit us at envisionfreedom.org. That's envisionfreedom.org. Dismantling Injustice was created by Sally Israel. Our executive producer is Abigail Wolf. This podcast is produced and engineered by Yassi Solutions and hosted by Carl Hammett Lipscomb. That's me. Special thanks to the team at Envision Freedom for being amazing. Until we're all free, peace out.